here. God bless you. You know, I, I love sharing God's word with you, your family, and family. I, I celebrated my 72nd birthday this week, and, and I, I began to realize... I began to realize how important family was. Again, kind of reminded again, and you are family uh, to me, and you're so important. Before I open up the word of the Lord with you, uh, we have a team of 16 men, um, and I believe there's a woman in there too, uh, that actually take care of these facilities. These facilities don't take care of themselves, and they actually maintain. A light burns out, toilet paper needs to be ordered, and all that stuff. Some of you are here. Not all of you are here, but if you're, if you're on that maintenance team, that deacon's team, would you stand up? I know, Michael, just go ahead and stand up. Uh, these are guys. Yeah. And, and that, that uh, group will also grow as you desire or you would like to be a part of it. Uh, thank you so much for donating your time and your energy to the, the facilities. I love sharing God's word with you. Uh, that for the pastor is always the gravy of the week. It's kind of like the last thing that goes on, it gives it it's like the dessert, and, and we, we all share dessert. For me, I wait for the dessert on Thanksgiving. Um, it's kind of like I get through the meal, oh, this is fine, this is good, but where's the dessert? Preaching is like the dessert uh, of the ministry, and so I get to do that today, and so I'm so thankful uh, to be able to share that. You've recognized that Thanksgiving passes quickly and we move right into the Christmas season. <laughs> we do that here. We've got the Christmas decorations up. Wherever you go, if you go into a retail store, you can see that Thanksgiving and Christmas kind of overlap and uh, you won't find any more Thanksgiving stuff out. It's all Christmas now because that's the, that's the big season. In the Christian community, this is also a season that we celebrate. That season is called Advent. And you've probably heard that term before. Advent is just simply a Latin word that says, that means expectant or waiting and preparing for the celebration of the birth of Jesus, which comes in a few weeks. And so churches kind of take the weeks before that celebration of Jesus' birth and we celebrate Advent. We, we lit the candle of hope. Today, Jesus came and he brought hope, but that hope is not like, uh, is not like this hope of, uh, I got to remember, be like, like John, I actually control that board now, and so I've got to, I've got to learn. Normally I'm back there saying, okay, you can advance the slide. Thank you, John, for bringing this into it. Uh, it's, it's a season in which we wait and expect Jesus to reveal himself. It's kind of this symbolic time before Christmas that you and I build up to Christmas Day. And it's expectant waiting on the Lord. But what Advent isn't 
isn't is this. So I'm going to put a video up here so if the sound would come. When you wish upon a star, make no difference who you are. Anything your heart desires will come. with that, right? I mean, that's, that's Pinocchio. That's, that's wishing upon a star. What Christian hope isn't is wishful thinking. We often use hope as kind of wishful thinking, don't we? I mean, I, I do uh, sometimes. Um, every person that buys a lottery ticket hopes <laughs> they win. You don't, you don't buy a a lottery ticket and say, I'm, I, I don't want to win this thing, I'm just going to buy a ticket. No, you hope you win, don't you? you? You hope that you get the multiple millions of dollars. Um, I use uh, sometimes hope, the word hope, when I, I'm rooting for my team. I hope my team wins, but I'm not sure. You know, there's no real confidence behind that that hope. I blew out last night some some birthday candles. <laughs> they put seven on there because 72 was just too many candles. You can't. And what, what is it that said before you blow them out? Make a wish. Yeah. And we just kind of have fun with that. You know, it's, a, it's kind of a fun thing that we make a wish. And the, the kind of the principle behind that is if you blow them all out without missing one, ah, wish granted. Okay. Um, I wish I may, I wish I might, have the wish I wish tonight. Uh, I wish. But that wish is built on my capacity to really muster up wish. I wish I will, I wish I might. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wish, I'm just going to wish it big time. And if I hit a certain level of wish, then maybe it, it's going to come. It's going to come to pass, right? Okay. Now I want you to be honest. 
How many of you did this? <laughs> yeah, no one's ready. Doesn't everybody do that? It's called the wishbone. I was going to research the history of the wishbone, but I, I didn't. I'm, it's probably got some interesting things. But it's like whoever gets the big side, their wish comes true, right? Dashanik, <laughs> stand up here. My daughter, okay, make a wish. Okay, go. Oh! my wish won't come to pass because she won. We, these, these idea of wishful thinking has been a part of our lives. But this wishful thinking stuff is not biblical hope. And what I want to talk to you today about is biblical hope. There's no substance in just a wish. I, I make a wish. I blow out the candles. I make a wish. I break the the wishbone. There, there's no substance behind it. There's nothing there that is going to, to bring about that wish. I mean, you can wish upon a star as long as you want to wish upon a star, but that star has no capacity to bring your wish to pass. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no magic in that star. There's no substance in that star to bring your wish, your desire into reality. It's just kind of a thing we do. It's kind of a superstitious thing we do. Biblical hope, the Bible says, has substance. Biblical hope has something to hold on to, has something to anchor to. And it says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so the writer is saying, this is not wishful thinking in the Christian community. Our prayer is not making wishes. It's not just wishing something into existence. There is a substance behind our prayer that will bring it to pass, and that is faith in God. Our faith in God is the substance of things that are hoped for. So it's not empty wishful thinking. There's actually substance there. And in Hebrews 6.19, I don't have a slide for that, but in Hebrews 6.19 it says that our hope anchors us. It anchors our soul. And I remembered that during vacation Bible school, they made this great anchor. And I found out they didn't throw it away. They had this great anchor. Now, an anchor, you know, holds a ship in place. It is something that, that holds a huge ship in place. And what it does is the anchor goes down into the ocean floor and it grabs hold with these points. It grabs hold of rocks and it grabs hold of deep earth. And that one anchor can hold that, that ship in the midst of all the storms of life that hit it. And the scripture says in the Hebrew 6 passage that our hope, which is confident assurance because it's anchored in God. Our hope is the 
anchor of our souls during times of turmoil and trouble and difficulty and hardships and the waves crashing in around you of life. That our hope in God is an anchor and it holds us. And so we are anchored to our hope which is found in God and it says that anchor will hold us in place. So we stand there and those waves crash. That thing of this earth hits us and the troubles and the hardships and the difficulties smash up against us but we're not moved because our anchor of hope which is, which is anchored into God and his word and his promises holds us true, you see. We are anchored by our confident assurance that what God will do is fulfill his promises to you and to me, no matter what it looks like. Have you ever been in a situation in which you've said, it doesn't seem to me like, God, you're fulfilling my prom the promises to me? <laughs> Absolutely, sure. Every one of us has. But what we see has no value to the fact that what God has promised us is true. And so we hold on to his truth. We're told in, in uh, Jeremiah, this ancient scripture, this, this scripture that was written 700 years before Jesus even came to earth, and he speaks to the Babylonian captives, the Israelites, and he says to this to them. They're in the situation that it doesn't look like God's anywhere near. It doesn't look like God's there at all. And a word from the Lord comes to the people, and Jeremiah delivers that word, and he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. He says, I got plans for you. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter of, the, of what you see going on around you. He says, I got plans, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope. Plans to give you hope, confident assurance, and plans for a good, good future. You see, that's the promise that he gives to you and to me, especially this Christmas season when we light that candle of hope. Jesus came into this world and delivered with him was hope to the world, hope to the world, hope, confident assurance that God will fulfill his promises to us. Wow. He will do that. Our faith in God, our belief, and our trust in God gives us the confident assurance and hope, which is hope, that the future is good, real, real good. Not without hardship, not without trials, because it's in those trials and hardships that God actually refines our faith that helps us in our hope, you see. He says, I have plans. And those words are as much for you today as they were for the Israelites 2,500, 2,700 years ago. He says, I got a plan. I got a plan, and that plan is to prosper you. That plan is not to harm you. That plan is to give you hope and to give you a future. And to the Roman church, in the first century, Paul says this. 
Romans 15, 13, he says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. See, what this scripture says is that our only responsibility in this is to trust in him. See, he's the God of hope. He's the one that will fill you. He's the one that will give you joy and peace as you trust in him. So that, there's a reason for that. He wants to fill you up with hope and joy and peace so that you will overflow, overflow, because it's the overflow that people see. And what people need to see in this time of, of waiting for the Christmas day, of the celebration of the birth of Jesus, because so many of them don't have hope. So many of them have lost hope. So many have kind of thrown in the towel. And so what the scripture says is that God not only wants to fill you up, he wants to overflow so that wherever you go, the overflow of the hope that is in you gets all over everybody else. Oh, excuse me, Michael. Oh, excuse me, Ben. Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm overflowing with hope, and when I overflow, everyone around me can't help but get some of my hope on them. You see? But listen, what if everybody here that knows Jesus, that is filled with joy and peace and the hope of God, will overflow with hope wherever you go? There's just hope spilling out all over the place. And see, and the message that, that, one of the messages that Jesus came proclaiming is this idea that he comes to a hopeless world and he brings hope to those who need hope, you see. Our job is to trust. It says here, he's the God of hope that fills you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you will overflow with hope. Now, the last thing the enemy wants is for you to overflow with hope to a bunch of people that don't have any hope. <laughs> it's the last thing he wants you to do. And so what he does is put all of his efforts into preventing you from overflowing onto other people. And that's what makes it so important to understand that we at this season, more than all other people, understand the joy and peace and the confident assurance of the future that it's good for us, and we need to convey that and give that to others. We need to overflow. Because the scripture says in Proverbs, it says this, hope deferred, oh no, that's David. I don't have this one in there, but we'll leave this up here. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Do you know that if you don't have hope for the future, if you don't have hope, confident assurance, not wishful thinking, I'm just going to pump up a bunch of wishful thinking, but if you don't have the confident assurance that God gives you when he comes inside of you and saves you, then you can lose hope. And when you don't have hope, your heart will get sick. If there's no hope for the future, if there's no hope for tomorrow, that it's a good, good, familiar friend to us, your heart will grow sick. 
you remember a few months ago when I was on an airplane, I shared a story of this, this woman that was on the airplane, and she had an ESA dog, and I was curious because it said on the side of the dog's wrap, ESA, which is, which is emotional support animal, and I shared a story with you. And she sat, I sat here, her dog sat here, and she sat here. <laughs> And her dog, just the whole trip, just had his head on my knee and slept. But as soon as I sat down and I saw that ESA, I said, what, do, what does that mean? And she said, well, that's an emotional support animal. Just immediately I went, boom. Emotional support animal means that this woman was traumatized emotionally. <laughs> and she now needs this, this nice small dog to assist her and help her in her journey of healing and wholeness. And I said, well, how's that, how's it working? She goes, oh, he's, my, he's a good friend of mine. I'm going, that's good. I said, do you mind sharing with me kind of why this emotional support animal is, is needed? Can we, and she didn't go into depth, but she, she went into a, a little bit. <laughs> this week, I got an email from her. I haven't heard from her in months. And she says this. Although I recognize my blessings on a daily basis, today is a day that I choose to pause, take note, and share my blessings. With that being said, I feel so blessed to have crossed your path on that airplane, and even more blessed having received the message that you had passed on to me. All I did was say, hope <laughs> that there is confident assurance in God to have a great future, that God's interested in your future and he's interested in the wounds that you carry and he's interested in your healing. I just gave her hope, hope, as often as just the whole hour and a half from Boise, I just hope, here's hope. And evidently it stuck with her because she wrote me that card this week and I showed it to Jan or that email and I showed it to my brother and my sister-in-law, hope. You see, we are those that just simply overflow with hope wherever we go, whether it's on the airplane, whether it's in our classroom, whether it's in the store, whether it's in our home, whatever, what we do is we just simply overflow with a absolute confident assurance that God will fulfill his promises to us. And we can stand on that. It's not wishful thinking. It's not thinking that says, ah, I just wish. No, it's anchored in God. And there's going to come a time in your life that the, your anchors are going to slip. And you'll need that anchor that is centered in and founded in and anchored in God. And he's there, our God of hope. King David experienced despair and hopelessness. King David was, was a great king, but there were times in his life in which he was just down. And he entered into what he'd probably call self-talk, and he's talking to his soul and in Psalms 42.5, he says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Have you ever done self-talk? 
I mean, there's, it's really kind of, there's value to that. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. David had his enemies surrounding him. David was all, all surrounded and encompassed by enemies that wanted to kill him and destroy him. And it brought him down because he looked out and all he saw was enemies. All he saw was the armies of, of other nations that wanted to destroy him. That's all he saw is this dark future ahead of him. And he says, why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why? Your downcast has no substance to it. And then he says, put your hope in God. You see, put your hope in God. We have to put our hope in God. King David put his hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Hope in God is confident assurance. That word hope is confident assurance in the promises of God. Circumstances are like this. Have you ever noticed? I mean, circumstances in my life right now they, they change from day to day depending on the reports we get back from Minnesota that I'll share with you in a minute. Circumstances like this. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And it's just like you get weary of this good stuff, oh, and then you hear, you get a phone call, and you, oh, man. Circumstances are up and down, but hope is never up and down. It's anchored. It's anchored in God. Oh, wow. What would I do? What would I do without that? Are you here today and you're not filled with joy or peace? Maybe you feel as though your anchor is slipping a little bit. It's like, whoa, anchor slip, anchor slip, anchor slip. Your anchor isn't slipping. Your anchor isn't sliding. It doesn't matter what you're feeling or what you're going through. Your anchor is still anchored in God. And that's why the scripture says, fix your eyes on Jesus, not on the circumstances. Don't look at the circumstances because the circumstances are going to lie to you and say that your anchor is slipping. Your anchor will never slip. It will always be anchored in the solid perfection of God. Always. And so we hold on to that anchor even in the midst of the times where it looks, seems like it's anchor. Your anchor will never slip. Your anchor can't slip because God is the one that holds that anchor and wraps that anchor chain around you and it will hold you through every storm. We've all kind of experienced a sense that our anchor is slipping, coming loose. No one is exempt. If you're here today and you feel that way, I have a word for you, a word from God. And this word from God has been spoken over countless numbers down through ancient times. This word is as alive and as real today as it was the very day 2,500 years ago that it was first spoken. And here's the promise to you. 
First, he talks about the problem. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? I felt that way. God, God you're, you're nowhere around. You're not thinking about me because, because it's just so miserable around here. <laughs> Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. Listen, listen. He's just saying facts right here. But now he speaks a promise. Now he speaks a promise to you. But those, but those that hope in the Lord, and there's this idea of waiting for him, holding on to him in the hard time, those that hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And so there's strength available for those who place their confident assurance in God. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. It's a promise for you. It's a promise for me. That promise is being spoken over each of you this morning. Yeah, there's going to be hard times. There's going to, it's going to seem as though your anchor is slipping. He says, but if you place your hope in God, they will, your strength will be renewed. And it says that you will soar on wings like eagles. The eagle was this powerful bird. If you've ever seen a, an eagle, it's just a remarkable bird. And they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I speak that promise over you. I speak that word from God over you today. It's been spoken over countless numbers. I speak it over you today that he will renew your strength Hold on. Realize that anchor is holding you. He's going to renew your strength. We're carriers of hope on the wings of eagles, wherever God says. Back in 1979, when Jan and I came to Christ, we gave our lives to Jesus. We just simply saw ourselves coming before God each day saying, yes, sir, reporting for duty, sir. What's on the list today, sir? What do you want today, sir? What is it that you desire? What is it that you want from us? Because we are a part of your family. We are soldiers in your camp, and we're just going to overflow with hope, looking for those in despair, those that are downcast. Where should we go today, Lord? And a few years later, he says, I want you to plant a church. Yes, sir, Lord. Where? In Glendora. I want you to plant a church. I want you to invite all your friends that don't go to church, and I want you to come and, and just start worshiping me. So all 10 of us gathered together, <laughs> and we just started worshiping. Yes, sir, reporting for duty, sir. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea. I, ha I don't know what I'm I've only been a Christian for a few years. I don't know what I'm doing here, Lord. And he says, Tom, I know everything. I know all you need to know. I've got it all under my control. So after 20 years, we went to work at Azusa Pacific University. Just, yes, sir, what are you reporting for duty, sir? And invested into students' lives for 12 years. 
And then we said, yes, sir, what's today, sir? He says, I want you to resign from the APU, and I want you to go on the mission field, and I want you to go to the jungles of Honduras or the jungles of Papua New Guinea. And I said, Lord, they're still shooting arrows and throwing spears at people over there. He goes, I know that, Tom. That's why I'm sending you. <laughs> you see? Yes, sir. Then he says, okay, I want you to go to Costa Rica, the highlands of Costa Rica, and I want you to overflow with hope to some missionaries that are losing hope. And then I want you to go to Thailand, and I want you to overflow with hope to children that are dying of AIDS. Yes, sir. Whatever you want, Lord. And then I want you to come back to the church here two and a half years ago, and I want you just to infuse them with hope and purpose and meaning and power. And That was so much fun. Yes, sir, Lord, can I stay here forever, Lord? Reporting for duty. Uh, we'll work. Let's, let's stand together. Hope. Hope. Yeah. See, that's the anchor. That hope is our anchor that when we go back there, we're not going alone. We're not going there empty-handed. We're going back in the power of God, full of the Spirit, with faith, and with hope. Let's sing this song together. And if you, why don't we have our prayer ministry team come on up? If you need prayer, we'd love to pray for you this morning. Some of you feel hopeless. Some of you feel like hope is the farthest thing from, from where you're at. And you just need somebody to stand with you and to pray with you and just to give you any bit of hope you can. And so if that's where you're at today, We'd love to pray for you this morning. Or maybe you're here and you realize, you know what, there's, I, I just need God's grace. I need God's mercy. I feel broken in my own brain, in my own life, in my own heart. And I just need God's healing. We'd love to pray for you this morning. Or wherever you're at, we'd love to pray for you if there's a specific need that you have. So prayer ministry team's up front. Let's sing this song together. And um, we'll have our closing benediction in just a moment. But let's sing this last song together. When this life is over.